to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I am joined as always by my good friend Tom. And Tom, before you come in, I love doing this podcast with you every week. It's one of my highlights of my week and for two reasons really, because like last week, some some weeks I come here full of spirits, wanting to talk about Bath Rugby and England Rugby at times with you. Um, And in some weeks, it's the other end of the spectrum, and I'm here to sort of get it off my chest and use it as a cathartic release for what was a really tough, tough weekend of rugby. Yeah, chalk and cheese, the the roller coaster of uh, being a Bath and England fan, um, you know, from one of the best weekends um, of rugby, mainly um, due to that semi-final result against New Zealand, uh, but also a, a Bath win against against Exeter to this weekend with uh, the complete opposite. Um, obviously, bitterly disappointing uh, to lose to South Africa in the morning um, and then uh, to have to endure um, a poor Bath Rugby uh, performance and to come away from Coventry um, with no points um, after we're so optimistic uh, going into the weekend is, uh, yeah, very disappointing. Or is it very frustrating, I should say? Mm. Yeah, one of those weekends, unfortunately. <coughs> um, felt like we sort of had it coming after. Everything went so well the previous week. Um, but yeah, crashing back down to earth. Um, and a really tough week for Bath Rugby in general, if we get into it. A sickness bug, which uh, apparently played the squad in the lead-up to the Wasps game. And that's where we're going to start at the Wasps game, by the way. We'll come on to the England game later and one or two bits of news slightly later on in the podcast. But Tom, um, how much of a, a role do you think that sickness bug played in 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 this in this um, in this defeat to wasps? It's difficult to know. I mean, we've we've spoken last couple of weeks um, about sort of lack of clarity with what's mm. going on with the injury list. Um, obviously, hearing about Nathan Cat quite late on was was very disappointing, and it was similar um, with this. Really, obviously, the first we heard about it was when um, Will Chudley and, and Tom Homer. Um, weren't selected um, on the Friday for the for the game at the Rico Arena. Um, Chris Cook then pulled out um, on the morning um, of the game. Um, wasn't able to um, to do sort of the pre-match warm-up. Mm. Um, and then we heard that um, it was sort of somewhere in the region of of ten um, or even slightly more than that uh, players affected by the bug. So you'd have to sort of suspect that some of the players um, playing in the game against Wasps weren't uh, quite a hundred percent, which. Um, you know, it's obviously obviously very difficult. And I don't know what you thought, G, watching the game back um, earlier uh, this evening. And the, some of the boys, I think, did look um, a oh. little bit flat. Um, yeah, I think that's right, Tom. Like, you know, Chudley and Cook, 100% reported, they were suffering with the, the realness, as you say. And Homer's the sort of one where who wasn't included in the 23, and there's not really much clarity as to why. So you'd assume that's something to do with the bug. And a couple of nuggets from the commentator... Um, in that did the game, the Bath Wasps game, who said, as you say, you know, in the in the uh, low teen area of players effective and one day cancelled, one day of training this week at Farley mm. House cancelled. So it must have had an effect on the preparation. Whether it had an effect on the players that were playing on the day, whether they were still feeling slightly under the weather, 
um, you know, we'll probably never know. But um, having played many a game hungover, I can tell it's not actually, it's not <laughs> not actually that, that easy. Not sure they were hungover. No, but it's, but really, it's sort of in Either way, you know, part. if those boys weren't, um, if those boys were 100%, um, which, you know, we've got to kind of um, believe that they were, then even sort of, you know, d- despite that sort of late changes going into um, an important game, and you obviously trained um, for most of the week, um, and prepared most of the week in what you think is is the starting fifteen. So, um, Ollie Fox, I think being mm. being the main guy, um, obviously not played much first first fifteen rugby at all. Um, uh, probably the fourth choice um, scrum half in the squad. So for him to come in um, and have to uh, play um, eighty minutes mm. um, at late notice, um, I think I think it was a tough ask. And I think um, if I'm honest, it did. Uh, it did sort of show on the day. Yeah, I do think we missed the experience of, of both Chudley and Cook. Um, Chudley, if I remember correctly, was had a really strong game actually in this fixture last year, away at Wasp, played the full 80 on that occasion. Mm. And his leadership was sort of key at the death in closing that one out. And as you say, I think um, Folly Fox, a young guy, a massively inexperienced guy, um, will probably have better <laughs> days in the, um, well, in the blue, black and yellow shirt of, of Bath. Um, what I think would be quite good, Tom, because I recognise that a lot of our listeners um, won't have seen the game, uh, mm. given that it wasn't on BT Sport. And um, yeah, catching up probably felt like a bit of an arduous task, one that we've just completed, Tom, uh, on the game, given sort of knowing the result and knowing uh, the disappointing result. So it may be good if we go through this in kind of chronological order, if we can. Um, explain a few bits where you think the game went wrong, maybe pick out a positive if you can find one. Um, and the start of the game, Tom, Bath were, were were sort of leading almost throughout that first half. But was that uh, a justified sort of lead uh, on the base of the performance? Do you think? I think it was it was pretty scrappy um, from from both sides. Um, it was it was basically just a, as I say a fairly um, ill disciplined um, uh, shootout uh, between Reese Priestland and, and Lima um, Sopoanga. Both uh, kicked um, a few penalties. I think the score um, what was the score going into half time. I think it was nine, six, nine. Well, just on the stroke six nines on, on the stroke at half time. Sopwanger having missed um, mm. a couple of penalties um, in that first half. So it's kind of tit for tat, um, very um, error strewn. Uh, going into that sort of a uh, half time interval, um, there'd been a penalty uh, for either side every three minutes um, mm. during that first half. So lots of penalties, and the handling I thought was was relatively. Uh, poor, um, also some um, kind of individual errors uh, in defence um, in that first um, half an hour or so. And it, yeah, quite scrappy, not not the easiest conditions, um, sort of damp, uh, overcast conditions, but I, I don't think either side um, sort of would have been particularly happy uh, going into that um, or going into half-time had it not been uh, for the fact that sort of on the stroke of half-time, um, there was a there was a wasps uh, wasps trigy which kind yeah. of gave them the edge yeah. going to the break. Coming to that in a minute, I just I actually think in that first half we were quite lucky to actually be slightly ahead on the scoreboard. I do think they showed a lot more creation, and as you say, Lima Sopwanger missed those two kicks, so the scoreboard could have looked slightly different. And I just thought they looked more dangerous. We struggled to get out of our own half, which uh, I think Fox, you know, really struggled to get out of their own half with his box kick and wasn't given much help by our two amazing fly halves that were on the pitch. Uh, and, and yeah, I don't think the, the, the fly half offered much in attack. And, and, and ill-discipline, as you say. Some of the, the, the guys that in that first half gave away a lot of penalties. So I do think we were lucky uh, to be sort of in that, in that as close yeah. as we were in the first half. I thought it was a really flat performance. We certainly didn't play our best rugby. Uh, and yeah, as you say, the, the, the sort of points we scored were mostly from, from Wasps' errors, uh, I thought. So I think we were quite lucky in that first half. And then, yeah, having the ball with, with 10 seconds to go, uh, sort of going through the phases 
trying to see the the, the half out, uh, and and the ball stripped out of Fox's hands as he picks up from the base. A penalty from the ensuing scrum, and two phases later, and a penalty wasps, from, the, from the next yeah, ball as well. Wasps under the sticks uh, on the back of some terrible Bath defence. Tom, uh, an absolute killer blow, and one we've seen Bath concede so many bloody times. Yeah, we, I mean, we praised Bath um, last week against Exeter for scoring on the stroke of half time. Mm. Always. Uh, such an important time to get a score either before um, or after uh, the break because it really sets the tone um, either going to the changing room or coming back up for the second 40. And we've, as you say, been guilty of it so many times, um, just our inability to uh, to close out a half and to, and to sort of um, you know make all the effort that we put in that first 40 um, pay off on the scoreboard. So very disappointing. Um, again, poor sort of individual um, errors in defence. Hmm. Um, you've got to be sort of cutting down a second row from from twenty twenty metres out. We saw it actually against Wasps uh, last season in the in the Champions Cup hmm. um, a victory that we were uh, we watched at the wreck and Nathan Hughes just cut straight through hmm. uh, the defence a couple of times. Um, so Rhys Priestson this on this occasion sort of missing um, the tackle and allowing uh, Rowlands to Will Rowlands to. To go over, so I, I, I'm sure Toby Booth and indeed all the players would have been um, pretty gutted going into half time. Toby Booth, um, so, yeah. <laughs> sorry, Stuart Hooper, um, uh, and, and you know it's, it was only 13-9, but I felt that that was kind of the key moment where mm. Wasps kind of realised they had the edge, um, and and they um, definitely showed the, as you say, the the better attacking creativity mm. um, in the first half. And I think going into half time, they would have backed themselves to come out and. Uh, and put some more points on the board as they as they subsequently did. Yeah, I think 17 missed tackles and eight penalties conceded in just the first half alone. Their stats that if that's after 80 minutes, you're probably slightly disappointed. Just after 40 minutes is sort of a reflection on just how poorly I thought Bath played and perhaps how lucky they were to be just four points behind going into the break and, and actually came out into the second half then moving on in our chronological attempt to sort of wrap this game up. Uh, improved, I thought, in that third quarter of the game was probably when, when we played our best rugby and, and, and Rocket Aguni I thought was absolutely at, at the centre of that. We mentioned last week that he perhaps wasn't at his lightning best but um, backed up by a tweet by Maximus the Lion, the Bath Bath mascot saying Rocco is back as a positive to take from this game. Electric running for the big man. Absolutely and uh, you know we talk about the England players who are coming back um, from international duty but they're not going to be in a Bath shirt um, anytime soon so it's brilliant to see that um, that he's starting to step up in what to be honest was um, a back line that was uh, lacking uh, potency to to say the least yeah. uh, just just a distinct um, lack of invention as we sort of saw against Bristol Bears mm-hmm. in that in that opening game Reese Priestland um, either sort of uh, you know one up one up rugby off the base or sort of Reese Priestland back in the pocket um, and, and sort of stick up a, 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 a Gary Owen uh, for players to, to to run onto and try and compete on the 50-50 ball. That's, that's the playbook at the moment, mate. It is. I mean, we've spoken about German Dempsey's playbook, and 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 not to be too critical, but he's had a lot of time with these with these players now, and and that seems to be our playbook: grow through the phases and then and then kick it aimlessly away. Yeah, and what, what's disappointing as well was that we had Freddie Burns, who'd argue is the more creative um, fly half. Uh, playing at fifteen, but he, idea. but he, but he never came. He never came into the line. He never sort of showed um, kind of what he what he was about. Um, uh, some of you know success that Wasps have had in the past, for example, and that South Africa showed at the weekend was when you can get a fifteen coming into the line like Vili Larue, for example. It can be really dangerous because you can play both sides of the ruck. 
um, you can kind of uh, confuse defences more when they don't know who's going to be sort of um, uh, kind of creating these plays. And, and Burns didn't come into the line. Um, and as I say, we, we really um, showed nothing at all um, in attack. And, and, and it was disappointing. Gofford allows Ross to do that now. Yeah. Gofford back from injury. Him and Sopoang are playing a, a sort of double axis. And I do think that that must be what they're working on, playing two playmakers. But as you said, there was so little evidence of, of, of any creativity from either of, uh, of the two fly halves. And, and that meant that, as you say, Rocco Aguni's main breaks were from high balls collected and, and then bits of, bits of magic from him. They weren't really from getting it in space after a flowing back move. So. And generally, I thought when he got the ball and made those breaks, I think the, um, the, the other Bath players were so surprised to have seen a, seen a line break that they ne- you know they, there wasn't enough support and he lost the ball yeah. or was, um, was sort of tackled into touch. So um, promising stuff from him, but ultimately didn't, um, didn't lead to anything because um, he wasn't quite backed up by, by his mates. Mm. Ten points, though, in that third quarter from Bath. Uh, a try from, from Zach Mercer and another penalty. And I feel like forwards just were starting to get into the arm wrestle a little bit, helped by uh, an interesting box kick from um, Z- Zarabi Zavania. Is that how we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're saying it? Yeah. A, a box kick which, as a fellow prop, Tom, you would have been uh, proud of, I guess. Well, yeah, and if, if, if people haven't seen that, so he's... He's on the back, you know. He's on the back of them all from the line now. I think he's still um, bound legally, <laughs> and he, he sort of flicks the ball up with one hand and uh, goes to strike it with left foot. with his left foot. I mean, I don't know if he's uh, um, left footed, but if he got hold of it, I think it would have uh, probably left um, Coventry CBD to be honest. But um, he he didn't, and Ollie Fox um, opportunistically sort of uh, grabbed the ball, uh, sort of repeated set. Uh, pick and goes as we saw against Exeter and Zach Mercer who um, you know is, is the smallest man in that bath pack by some margin mm. again showing incredible power um, uh, to, to get the score he he really is fantastic at, uh, um, at that pick and go game yeah he really is he's a, he was um, he was he's a standout in that area as you say Tom and yeah 13-9 up uh, with, with on 50 minutes on nearly on 60 minutes uh, it's looking like it might be turning towards our way uh, but then the last quarter, as usual, it all went um, pear-shaped. That's the impression I'm going to use. Why do you think it went so badly wrong, other than the fact that it's inevitably always going to go wrong? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, I think Wasp started to found, find a bit of fluidity. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't able to live with them um, down the stretch as well. I don't know whether it was uh, you know, some players potentially not feeling 100%, but as I say, um, we didn't have the usual line speed that we showed um, against Exeter, um, we looked to tire again. Uh, some individual errors. I thought Jamie Roberts um, was sort of uncharacteristically reckless um, in defence. Made six um, of the fourteen tackles that he attempted during the game. So he won't be uh, looking back on that with uh, you know you know very very happily. And and I, I don't know. I think it's a combination of of was starting to starting to play better, um, but also we definitely lacked. Um, defensive structure we started giving away uh, penalties um, and, and just compounding of errors um, that, that we've spoken about before meant that they started to win the battle of um, the territorial battle um, and ultimately got close to, to score those two tries mm, yeah I, I think Dan Robson uh, in contrast perhaps to, to the Bath halfback play really came into into the game in that final quarter he put in a one kick I can remember nicely into the 22 mm. pinning us back and I, I feel like the pace of the game really picked up and he exploited the fact that the Bath forwards were beginning to tire and I thought he really had a big impact in that last quarter and I also think that uh, an area which 
we're really struggling with, I think, with with that balance of the back row is the pace off the the base of the scrum. Yeah, there's a couple right. of occasions when uh, the ape for 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 wasps, who's not exactly a slight figure, Viani exactly picked and gone, and yeah, former Saris guy picked and went from the base of a scrum and, and sort of was able to get 10 or 15 yards because whether it was Ellis, whether it was Williams so, yeah, I think or Bayliss, just weren't quick enough off the base to tackle it. I think it was, so when Bayliss went off, and I mentioned this last week uh, during the Exeter game, Bay, mm. Bayliss, um, when Bayliss wasn't on the field and Ellis uh, came on, uh, Mike Williams was uh, open side flanker and, and Tom Ellis at blind side. And that's probably not a position that Williams um, has played much in as far as I'm aware. And he... Um, particularly with sort of 60, 65 minutes in his leg, struggled to uh, struggled to, to to get off the base of the scrum. Yeah, yeah so that was a, an area which they they managed to that allowed them to get over the gain line and allowed Robson to to put the pace onto the game, as I mentioned. And then finally, uh, uh, for their eventually winning try, a defensive lap from the usually reliable Ali Brew. Absolutely, yeah. And I thought the offloading part of Wasp's game in that second half um, did come to the fore. Mm. Um, I thought their pack when they uh, came on did um, make a difference, particularly Tom Cruise at Hooker, who went through and um, gave the offload to Robson for um, for his try. And we, we just looked um, a little bit off the pace. Um, mm. Wasp got uh, too far ahead, um, really, and kind of made us um, ultimately... Uh, uh, a recklessly play from wow. um, from our own uh, 22 in a bid to get the win. Yeah, so let's set that up a little bit. So they go 27-19 uh, up. Mm. Uh, we win a penalty then with about two minutes to go. Yeah. Kick the sticks. 27-22. Okay, a point in the bag. Let's go back to, to, to the Farley house with that. It's been a tough week. Um, however, return the kickoff and attempt to play out from their, our own half. A decision which... Hooper, Stuart Hooper, certainly disagreed with, and one that I think you also disagree with, Tom. Yeah, I do. I think, you know, we've spoken so many times throughout last season about how tight the league was. A couple of points really can um, mm. separate um, sort of top six um, from sort of more more down towards the bottom and even in sort of relegation um, scraps. You know, after three games, the league is very, very tight. Only two points between fifth um, and uh, Bath down um, in in bottom place, so it is very tight. We failed in the past to um, get the losing bonus points when we've been on the losing side, and also get those um, four try bonus points when we've been on top. So for me, it's about balancing sort of the the risk with reward. We weren't willing to to play um, throughout the whole eighty minutes. We weren't we hadn't shown that we had any attacking fluidity. The only times we were able to break the line was when Rocco Daguni um, did so by himself. So I think playing. Um, from your own under your own post was uh, was pretty reckless, particularly when we given away all those penalties uh, that we did. Yes, you, I, you, you yeah, agree? I dis- I disagree. Actually, I I didn't mind the, the sort of ambition, and ultimately, it's been proven to, to 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 be the wrong decision in the end because we've come away losing by by eight points. But the way I look at this, and this is probably a very naive way of looking at this, is what would Saracens do? What would Exeter do? What would Northampton do? What would these best teams in the league, teams that we're aspiring to be like and as good as, what would they do in that situation? Would they kick it off and take the one point away? Or would they have seen this as an eminently winnable game, as we discussed last week, and go for the go for the juggler and go go for the post? So go why, for the points. If when, why when we were three points up against Exeter, um, sort of bearing down on their line last weekend, why didn't we... Uh, why do we take the opportunity to kick the ball off there? Why don't we go for the, the jugular there? Well, because we've won that game. 
there's a difference between getting the the, the four points there. What so to deny them a, a, yeah. a losing bonus point? I think that's looking at a, a, another team. This is looking at your own team and having some ambition and, and and backing your your skills. And that may be naive because as we've said, you know there was very little attack and creativity in that game. But I just think that it shows us well. It showed a lot of ambition, which I didn't mind. And and the sort of comments from Hooper, I really don't, don't think are very positive. It's to sort of throw his captain, his new captain, under the bus and the way he does after the post-match I really didn't like that and I just think that the ambition shown I, I didn't mind and I would have been more disappointed if we'd have taken taken the the, the, the one point to be honest you said last week yourself Tom that this is a, a, a massive opportunity to, to, to win you know why are we sort of taking the one point then because I think when we're showing so little potency in attack what, what, what I mean when there's so little chance of us going the length of the field um, and, and scoring ultimately to get four points um, instead of the one point. And when we've given away nine turnovers um, before that uh, particular penalty in our own half, I just think that it was a kind of, uh, you know, it was just a matter of time before someone made a mistake yeah. um, or we got turned over. And I think sometimes, made- I think sometimes the best teams know when to go for it and also know when to, um, you know, play percentages and sort of cut their losses. Um, and I think if. Exeter or Saracens had been playing with the potency that we were and had been, um, you know, so poor um, in attack during that game. I think um, they would have made the sort of more pragmatic decision to uh, to kick it off and take the one point. I, I agree that it was potentially a matter of time before one of us, one of our players, made an error. But I think it's more likely that error was a knock on, a forward pass, an error like that. And that's just a fine. You take the you take the the, the, the sort of one point. But yeah, to give away a penalty is it, you've got to back yourself surely to be able to to go with out of penalty scoring range without giving one. For me, um, ambition is one thing, and you know it is to be commended. But I think you've also um, got to look at these kind of situations rationally and sometimes um, play a bit of bit of percentage rugby. But. Yeah, potentially naive, but I, I I didn't mind it, and and I actually yeah, as I say, commended it. I think that's a, a really interesting point. So get in touch with us on Twitter. Um, at Bath Rugby Plug why are you watching the Yeovil highlights just saw some uh, ropey League 2 football happening there and I was like what are you doing am I boring that much but no get in touch with us on Twitter what you think about that decision at the end as I say I, I really didn't mind it um, and as I said disappointed with the way Hooper sort of handled that at the end but I guess the way we're sat in the league, you probably got to consider what would Worcester do, what would London Irish do, and as you say, they would probably kick it off. Yeah, and we'd be sat in sixth if we'd got that uh, that losing bonus point. So what a um, what a different story uh, that might be after after three, after three games in. Yeah, but what if we got all four? Oh yeah. Mm. Well, anyway. anyway, point of discussion for sure. So as I say, get in touch with us on Twitter or on Facebook, wherever you know where we are by now. Uh, so please do that. The final point to be made, sort of in our chronological. Um, recap of this game before we sort of touch on a few positives if there are any and certainly the negatives which we're going to say is is the probably for me one of the worst bits of news or one of the worst sights of the weekend yeah. Tom which was Henry Thomas who came on made his comeback uh, with about 15 minutes to go and then limped off injured in tears uh, what looked like a really serious sorry knee injury uh, gutting for, for, for a fellow tight end prop yeah, really sad to see. He came on, um, looked fit, looked ready to go, um, won a couple of scrum penalties mm. and looked really uh, up for the fight. And yeah. then to see him, um, obviously not sure sort of how serious it is or indeed what the injury is, um, but some sort of injury to, to his right leg and to see him sort of carried off, as you say, um, almost in tears was a, um, was a really uh, sad sight, obviously, to add to the 
uh, injury list with Nathan Cat out for the season, and uh, mm. we'll wait with sort of you know all our fingers crossed, um, and hopefully it won't be um, as bad as it looked. Um, but as you say, it, it, it didn't look good, and that will be um, a massive loss uh, for us for us this season. Mm. Right. So let's now look at the game more generally, Tom. And do you want to go with some negatives and then try and try and spin positive um, before we move on? Uh, what do you think was the the, the the real issues as to to why we, we we lost this game? I think it's 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 the halfback combination. Mm. Um, we also spoke about Fox coming in late, um, which obviously wasn't ideal. Um, Freddie Burns coming to fullback, I don't think, um, sort of particularly helps that uh, sort of attacking game because I think Homer um, in in broken field can be sort of one of our most dangerous attackers. But I, I think it is really difficult um, with with the nine ten twelve uh, combination, including Roberts in that, to get anything. Um, remotely like what we've seen from Bath in the past uh, going. And, and you know, injuries um, and illnesses are obviously one thing. But I think if you look down, um, all the Premiership teams, probably without fail in the league, they've all got sort of one, nine or ten who you think, right, that is their number mm. one um, first choice, you know, quality operators, either experienced operators um, or young um, sort of up-and-coming operators. And I don't think that... Um, that we've got that. No, it's using NFL sort of analogy. We just haven't got a quarterback at fly half, and and the, the guy that's doing it was just not in our plans going into this season. We made that perfectly clear that Preeson, we were going to move on from Preeson, and he was no longer in our plans. And now he's starting at at fly half, and probably will be for the foreseeable future. And psychologically, what does that do? Yeah, to exactly, him? and what does that do to Burns as well? I mean, um, yeah, he's a confidence player as we've spoken about, and to to, to be sort of picked behind or not picked ahead of a guy that it was perfectly clear that he was no longer part of our plans is sort of massive confidence dent for Burns and as you say for Preston he's like well well they obviously I'm not their first choice their first choice is winning a world cup for for South Africa unfortunately and yeah that the, the halfbacks are, are a massive massive issue and the problem is we speak about these players that are coming back from international duty but they're all outside backs and and and, yeah. and, and back rows there's nothing going to come in and make a massive difference at halfback because there are two fly halves you know maybe de Glanville and at scrum half is there a massive difference between Fox Chudley and Cook and, and Green's had surgery so it's not going to change and that's a massive area which you say is just going to hamper our progress this season what would you do god yeah don't know I think I'd stick with Preston for for next week I don't know what's going to happen at the, the the scrum half position I'd like probably Cook to start with with Preston that was probably our best performance with, with with those two that's probably the most dangerous we've looked but it's not exactly inspiring and and I'd love to know sort of what's the status of of Tom De Glanville and whether we can see him later in the season because I I think at the moment it's so uninspiring and it's it's one of the reasons that that I feel like Bath fans are are feeling massively disillusioned with, with the club at the moment is is sort of decisions like like keeping Preston not wanting to keep Preston and then starting him at ten and and not having an adequate replacement yeah. I find myself almost um, doing a bit of a U-turn on this because obviously I've always been um, sort of in favour of of Priestland. Um, I think I've I've, um, I've spoken a lot about Tom Glanville. I'd love to see him um, given an opportunity, and I don't really understand why um, Alex Davis, for example, is on the on the bench against Wasps, mm. um, and Tom Glanville doesn't get um, in the twenty-three. But I think that with with Priestland and, and Roberts as your as your ten twelve, and with the young scrum halves that we've got, we're so devoid um, of any. Invention, as I say, I don't think um, you're going to be teaching uh, Priestland any new tricks. I think he's kind of got his style of play um, in mind. He, you know, he, he kicks very well from the tee, 
Um, he drops back into the pocket. He'll, he'll uh, and he'll kick. He'll give you know offloads to um, to big forwards to running. But there's nothing really more than that that we're seeing. And so it's it, just win a World Cup doing that. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, their pack's slightly more potent than ours. But sorry, go on. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. And well, not when we get big old Francois Lowe back, yeah. um, who uh, World Cup winner. Congratulations to to him. But I think that we've got to at least go move in the right direction. When Bath have played at their very best, 2014-15, which we always harken back mm. to, um, you had Ford, um, uh, Eastman, uh, Joseph, etc. Oh. But Ford was the guy um, pulling the strings. And I think that um, Preston's been given a couple of opportunities now. Um, particularly um, away where we've really, really struggled, um, and I think it's time, to be honest, to to, to uh, you know make a bit of a change and and, and put, give Burns um, a good run in the tenure. I think he. Yeah, I wouldn't maybe disagree with that if I'm honest. Yeah. I think, as you say, he's a confidence player, um, and I think we should kind of get behind him a little bit, give him a bit of a chance. He may not. Um, sort of come good straight away but I would like to see him um, give him more of a chance because I think he's the more talented player I think he's probably the more inspiring player I think his heart is um, more um, sort of in it yeah. to be honest given you know things we've spoken about with Priestland's um, contract and the confusion there so yeah I think a bit of a uh, call from me for um, for Freddie Burns to get given a bit of a try and for um, you know us all to get us all to get behind him because we're going to be going up against we're going to be up against Northampton Saints um, next weekend and I think if we go um, with that style of play um, we they will run rings about around us and it could be it could be quite nasty at, at the rec. Yeah no, I do think that you know, we've had our, well, I've certainly had uh, history with, with, with Freddie, but I do think in general, he's more popular with, with the support base. And, and as stand up for Bath, the, the Twitter account says, even the wreck is flat at the moment. The team needs to put in some serious performances to help inspire people again. And I do think that, that the introduction of Burns at that home game against Northampton Saints, which we'll come on to later on in the podcast, might just give it the lift if he can have one of those days where, where stuff starts to click for him. So, yeah, I probably wouldn't be against that, in fairness. I do think we need some sort of spark and we're just not getting it from from, from, from Priestland at the moment. Yeah, and the other thing, you know, it's not just on um, the boys 9 through 15. I think we've got some very strong boys. We've got some um, guys who... Um, are clearly very up for it. You can't, you cannot fault the effort. Um, even at the Rico when we played poorly, the effort is certainly being put in. I think particularly by the front eight, but with the exception of um, of Zach Mercer, who whose work rate is absolutely phenomenal. Mm. I don't think there's any. You know, none of the other players are, are really offloading. None of the other players are really using their feet and um, getting the ball on on, on the outside um, break. They're kind of one up runners, which you know they are good at, and in the right conditions um, against the right sort of team at the rec. Um, it, with all those things, um, all those stars aligned, they are effective. But I think one guy um, we really miss um, in terms of our attacking game is, is Toby Falatau. Mm. When we've um, when we've been absolute quality, it's when he's had the ball, he's he's been offloading, making uh, breaks. You only think back to the the, the clash, and I think he's someone that um, we'll, so, we're, so we're, rarely, we're, yeah. We're, yeah. <laughs> someone we're really missing, um, and and someone who hopefully, if you believe the sort of injury uh, mm. reports, is is sort of coming back to, to fitness in in, in in the coming weeks. Yeah, I do think a lot of our our, our pack is sort of is a slight blunt instrument at the moment, and as you mm. say, Mercer is the sort of one that that makes that difference. And yeah, Falatao's a man that that that, that certainly isn't a, a blunt instrument. The brilliant runner when he's in space. So yeah, fingers crossed we can get him back and he can get uh, a few games together uh, for the blue, black, and white Tom. 
moving on to, to, to any positives we might have from the game. I've mentioned Rocco Aguni back, uh, playing really, really well, I thought. As, as I said, Maximus the Lion tweeted us. Any other sort of positives you can take from this game or, or is it all pretty, pretty negative? I mean, there are a couple of performances that I thought um, were, were strong. I thought Jack Walker um, played well. When he was on, Mike mm. Williams, again, continues his very, very aggressive yeah. um, form, particularly in defence. But then you look at the defence, and it's something that we've been relatively positive about. But in the two away games we played, we conceded 10 tries oh. uh, and over 70 points. So oh. uh, I think if that's the, the positive we're, we're going for, then it's <laughs> it's fairly it's fairly slim pickings. Yeah, the defence has not been good enough. And, and that away form, we're going to spin this negative again, but that away form is a, a massive issue. We've highlighted it sort of every podcast we've done so far this season. But how can you turn around sort of this poor away form? I, I don't really understand how, how it does it. But at this point in time, it becomes sort of a, a mental issue. As, you know, Bath had some mental issues in the past, as we've spoken about, giving games away at the death. But we just can't seem to win at, away from home. One at the Rico last year, one away at Tigers in the final match week yeah. of the season. But apart from that, our away form is, is just, it's just not good enough. And, and it means that you're not going to get into that top four if you can't, Win winnable games away like like that one was on Saturday. Sorry to spin negative, but absolutely. And we spoke about it last week how this was a real opportunity mm. to go up against Wasps who don't get um, great home support and uh, the the official attendance <laughs> for the game was yeah over ten thousand, which no uh, to me seemed uh, seemed higher when you've got Reese Priestland kicking uh, into <laughs> a completely empty stand behind the post. But this was a, a real opportunity uh, for us, and and the away form is becoming a real issue and ultimately there's no kind of simple fix mm. uh, it is uh, primarily uh, a mental thing um, and it's just going to take one result on the road to to get our confidence back and yeah, I, think, I, think, I think this could have been the one to do it which is why it's so uh, so disappointing uh, that we weren't able to, to turn it around because the games aren't getting getting much easier Northampton at home uh, followed by Saracens away so the next two weeks uh, before <laughs> Champions Cup rugby are, uh, are are pretty tough yeah you need to get right or game away from home I'll just go to, oh, sorry, to, just, to Saracens yeah just correct that sorry no. Northampton at home um, and then the, the Champions Cup double header uh, Ulster at home Quinns away and then straight in straight back in the following Friday uh, to Saracens uh, at home again so a few home games coming up where hopefully we can look to build some build Get some momentum because we are, some, we are we are clearly so much stronger um, uh, at home so hopefully yeah. build a bit of momentum there and then go into our next away game which is against London Irish uh, and, and okay. maybe, maybe get a, 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 another win away for, e- for a change. Equally as raucous atmosphere at, at, at that game as there was at the, at the Rico Arena. I will be going to that Saturday. game. Will you? I will be, yeah. Oh, very, very lucky. Uh, hopefully we won't still be at the roots of the table. That'll be a bottom of the table clash for you at, at the Vijayski. Christmas cracker. Is it, what day <laughs> 22nd is that? 22nd December. Is it? Oh, why are you going to that? <laughs> um, right, moving on. I think from that game, not many positives. Even I'm sort of looking at my notes here. Yes, we do make notes and uh, looking for positives and I can't really find any from that game, but I'll try and spin it slightly positive at the end of the podcast. Where do you want to go next, mate? A uh, bit of social media, maybe? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'll just open my thing. Um, let's. This might sort of move us on to the, where we want to go next, which is the, the Rugby World Cup. Uh, a tweet from Ben Bruce Smith, who says, appreciate this question is very hypothetical, but if we were to make a couple of signings off the back of the, of the World Cup, who do you think we need? 
Ben suggests Andre Pollard, which I think would have been my answer. Anyone else that you were impressed with at the World Cup, which could fill a gap, hypothetically, at, 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 the, at Farley House? Absolutely. I think leading on from what we've just spoken about, maybe a bit of Faf de Klerk to, uh, to yeah. couple up with, <laughs> with Andre Pollard or Aaron Smith. Mm. Um, a 9 and a 10 for me would be, yeah. it would be the two positions where, where I'd be looking. Uh, uh, ben, how about you? Oh, so I thought you were Ben, and then how about you? Really? (laughs) How long have we been doing this together? How long have I known you calling me Ben? Yeah, I I think the the halfbacks, Andre Pollard was sort of spoken about as a potential Bath signing, and and he looks to be a a fantastic operator, as we sort of knew before this World Cup, but really slammed that home, I felt like, in that World Cup. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that... um, What's his name? That um, Engl- the England open side flanker, <laughs> Sam. Oh, Sam Underhill. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, He'll be back in a bath shirt in what two, three months, maybe. Well, yeah, that, be, that would be so lucky. Yeah, I wouldn't mind uh, Watson either. Back. And that's another um, question I think we saw. Uh, yeah. So uh, on when so from Lloyd Rimmer, thank you, Lloyd, for for getting in touch as always, friend of the podcast. When do our rugby World Cup boys return to play? Now, we've had a bit of a discussion about this tonight, Tom, and I've seen somewhere that um, certainly the boys that have played the majority of the tournament, if not all the tournaments, so Underhill and Watson thinking specifically, and maybe JJ, I think they can only play... And Francois Lowe. Can play seven premiership games left of the season, which is obviously not very many, so that would be a a massive boost. But I, I guess, like, these guys haven't had a break from from the end of last season straight into sort of England camps, England warm-up games, England sort of pre-World Cup training squad, England Rugby World Cup squad. And what do you get normally? Two months off at, at, at the end of the season. So they're going to need probably six weeks to, 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 to two months before they can really start getting back into it and then start playing games. So we're going to see sort of especially those main boys back even before Christmas. Maybe that big clash at the Majeski. Oh, I was going to say, we, the thing is we don't know the, the process. I think you said that um, it was Saracens who had put out mm. um, kind of that seven uh, games in the Premiership, which seven out of 19 would be a massive loss for particularly thinking about Saracens, Leicester, Exeter and, and, and Bath. Those four teams would, would certainly suffer uh, the most. We also don't know if it just applies to the to the England oh. players or if it's an RFU uh, thing, um, in which case Francois Lowe might be back earlier. But I do think that the boys who've been playing regularly, so those three, Sorry, and potentially Francois Lowe. I'll be very surprised if we see them this side of Christmas, to mm. be honest. As you say, maybe uh, uh, ease them back in for that big clash uh, uh, in Reading. But I- I'll be surprised. <laughs> I'll be surprised if we see them for the for the Champions Cup games or the games against Northampton and uh, um, uh, and Saracens. Yeah, I guess the, the sort of. Uh, the- I was going to say Rockadini. I guess Cochinesiga and McConaughey are the ones where it might be slightly different. But even then, uh, it's not like they're set on their arses uh, oh, Monday to Friday. Those England training camps are hard. exactly. Yeah. They're going to need a break, and we said we don't want to rush them back. So, uh, in answer to your question, Lloyd, we don't really know. But as we say, I'd be surprised if we see them anytime soon. I feel like this squad is one we're going to have to try and turn the season around with. Can't really be relying on those boys coming back immediately and making a massive impact. But but when they do, we, we we're going to need them later on in the season. And one. Person who won't need any time off and hopefully therefore sort of will be able to make a, an immediate impact mm. is Neil Hatley. Yeah, um, it's interesting that we we spent most of this podcast talking about uh, problems with our attacking play and with our backs. Obviously, Gervin Dempsey's been um, around for the whole of pre-season and the season so far, and the scrum um, has been one of the small uh, glints of uh, of positivity that, mm. that we've seen. The set piece in general has been good. 
uh, obviously particularly the performance Exeter when the pack put in a massive shift. So uh, he'll certainly uh, be back and hopefully raring to go and uh, and ready to to right some wrongs at scrum time after that World Cup final. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, the the scrum didn't exactly cover its having glory against South Africa, as you say, Tom. But uh, yeah, Hatley back. Um, interesting to see when he comes back. I assume it'd be almost instantaneous with him. Not sort of a physical, obviously not a, a, as physical. Uh, sort of trying few months for him. Um, just to wrap up this this social media. Uh, sort of section we're, we're trying to do a little segment we, we're doing here uh, before we move on to the, the Rugby World Cup review Tom and that's sort of to sort of highlight the, the the negativity I think understandable negativity on, on, on social media and, and that comes from at Stand Up Bath who I sort of referenced earlier who says based on previous three years of disappointing and sometimes dreadful rugby I'd suggest Hooper and his team have a massive mountain to climb to bring the fans on side however Hooper needs time so no knee jerk decisions please Mr Craig all pretty depressing when I just can't get excited about a second home game of the season on Saturday yeah and completely share those those frustrations I don't think there will be any knee-jerk reactions to be honest the club have obviously set out their long-term vision and uh, you know unless there's an absolutely uh, sort of catastrophic result for this season I do think they will they will stick with Stuart Hooper and I would like them to to stick with Stuart Hooper where you know we spoke so many times last season about sort of reactionary nature of fans and I completely empathize with how frustrating it is but we need to give these guys a chance we're only three games in uh, we've had some tough games and um, we are missing uh, you know um, uh, some key players um, and and obviously Neil Hatley and as, head coach. as yeah and, and obviously Neil Hatley so uh, uh, sort of uh, keep keep the support up obviously it is tough to watch those games back and I completely share share that pain but uh, it will come good yeah well don't watch that particular <laughs> game back but um, pretend you have and uh, continue to continue to support the boys just listen to this podcast we've uh, hopefully covered that off well uh, any questions just hit us up on Twitter as I say thank you for getting in touch it is really why we do it to sort of interact with you guys um, we absolutely love it and it brings a bit of light to what was otherwise a pretty pretty rough Monday so, morning at work something more light hearted that I've, I've, I've just seen when I was scrolling through our, our Twitter feed there from, from Rugby Stig um, and it's about the story about Ben Talmafina and him, him coming back to, to Racing um, at 160 kilos after clearly enjoying um, a fair bit of sushi uh, out in Japan um, obviously, obviously playing for playing for Tonga did you put on 20 kilos well, on during the trip say, at least like, it feels like well, I got back when I got back from Japan uh, maybe didn't start at 140 but uh, certainly getting that way at the moment got to play on, on, on well, Saturday Back, uh, back in action. So, and we've we've got some big, uh, some big boys um, in our in our in our squad. But Ben Talmafina is a is an absolutely different beast. And um, how big? Um, just to put that 160 kilos in in context. Um, so Cheslin Colby, plus Fafter Clerk, plus a Yorkshire Terrier, plus a newborn baby. <laughs> And stick a bag of sugar on top, and you've got uh, Ben Tomafina <laughs> turning back up uh, after a hard World Cup um, uh, to Racing Metro. Uh, so uh, yeah, clearly enjoyed his uh, his, his off season, um, and he'll be looking to, to shed those twenty kilos and, and get straight back on. Absolutely, yeah. Ben Tomafina can play. He gets a bit of stick because of his obvious weight, but um, seriously, can play a decent tight end. I, I would say. Right on to the Rugby World Cup, Tom. Um, can we get motivated to talk about this? A really dark, dark Saturday morning um, with you watching it in Bristol. Um, yeah, tough yeah. to take. We've obviously you know, been fairly negative so far on this podcast, so I can keep this, um, keep, this keep, keep this relatively brief. Very disappointing. 
uh, obviously riding a, a bit of a crest of a wave after what was an incredible performance against New Zealand, the best performance I'd, I'd probably say in English rugby uh, history. And I think we were kind of persuaded ourselves and, and the English media persuaded us that it would be a, a walk in the park against South Africa. And the reality was um, it was never going to be. You know, they went in as, as second favourites. Uh, they're a top quality team, obviously rugby uh, championship winners. Uh, and and had lost to New Zealand, but um, as I said to you on the day, styles make fights, um, mm. and ultimately they beat us at, at our own game. Yeah. Uh, Carl Sinclair going off after two minutes was a massive moment mm. in the game. Dan Cole really struggled to live with uh, live with the pace, as did uh, as did Mako Vinopola in the scrum, mm. um, and ultimately they they built their their victory off uh, superior set piece. Superior, superior line speeds, um, and they won fair and square. And and for me, anyone who's saying, um, anyone who's blaming um, uh, the referee, for example, um, is 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 out of order because it was it was fair and square. Um, fair play to South Africa, and and to be honest, as I said to you as well, if there's gonna be one team that that were mm. gonna win it, um, apart from England, then for me it would have been have been South Africa. Um, obviously, a great thing for for their team, um, their captain, and their country. So, uh, congratulations to them, and, and particularly congratulations to mm. returning hero um, and now retired international, mm. which is great news as well. Mm. Francois Lowe. Yeah, exactly. Great news, and as you say, I think there's going to be a lot said, a lot written about that performance. Um, some of it way too sensationalist, and some of it spot on. But just from a fan's point of view, it was just absolutely gutting because I sort of built it up in my mind about sort of how it was going to go, and it just didn't exactly go how I sort of dreamed it would. Um, but ultimately, a fantastic South African performance. I thought their their, their props in particular were were outstanding, and, and Andre Pollard again. Uh, as we discussed, a real, real big influence on that game. And we just couldn't get, get into the game. Uh, Ford and Fowl just didn't work out this time. Manu could barely get into the game. thought our back three really struggled to deal with their, with their, with their kicking threat. So, yeah, gutting, absolutely gutting. But um, four years' time in France, hopefully we'll be, we'll be a stronger team. There's a lot of young guys still there. So hopefully we'll be a stronger team and we'll have another crack at winning the World Cup, but and, yeah, just gutting. And you know, start of the start of the new four-year cycle. Obviously, not um, clear yet what will happen with with the coaching setup. Will Eddie Jones uh, see out the, the the final two years of, of his contract? Will he look to um, blood uh, Scott Borthwick? What will happen? Mm. Uh, what will happen there? But a new four-year cycle means new opportunities for for young players, and we've got a few in our squad who I think will uh, will definitely feature over over the coming years. Zach Mercer, um, Tom Ellis. Um, uh, being a couple of those, and obviously the guys that that went uh, to uh, to Japan are still um, very young um, for the most part, so they'll be looking to to press on and establish themselves in the England squad. So yeah. exciting time for um, for for Bath fans and for for Bath players as 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 we continue to get more players involved. Yeah, more players poached by England to to sort of cripple our chances yeah, in exactly. the league. Uh, right, let's move on from from that. I think we are spinning quite negative, so sorry about that. But uh, let's try and spin positive with a couple of bits of news. One we've already touched on, Francois Lowe, retired, fantastic South African career. Now focus purely, please, on, on the blue, black and white. Signed a, a new contract in the off-season, so so great for to, to have him full-time with, with, with the boys. And just to say a bit about his international career, I think... Um, certainly, from my perspective, he's flown under the radar a bit as a South African player. But when you look at his his record, it's it's very very strong. So seventy six Test matches with uh, with ten uh, ten tries and forty seven victories of those seventy six. Being involved, obviously, in the three uh, three World Cups, um, obviously winning winning the last one and countless 
uh, rugby championships as well. So a fantastic, quietly, I would say, fantastic career. Um, you know, for the earlier part of his career, uh, potentially lived in in the shadow of someone like Schalt Berger, mm. um, but has really come to the fore and made a very very crucial uh, turnover in that semi final against Wales, which ultimately allowed them to to press up the pitch and get that all important penalty mm. at the end. So fan- fantastic um, career for him, but great to have him back. Uh, full-time with a new deal um, mm. uh, at Farley House. Hopefully that's going to put a few more years in his legs because so not having that strain of, of playing for South Africa with the travel that brings and, and the physicality that, that undoubtedly those South African camps and those South African games come, hopefully that will put sort of two or three more years in his legs for, for, for a little swung song at the end of his career. As you say, Schalkberger, a guy, a similar guy to him, moved on from South Africa, went to Saris, had a yeah. massive impact there, both on and off the pitch. A lot of young guys coming through, Bayliss, Underhill, Ellis in that back row. So a, a massive role for Francois on and off the pitch, a, a massively well-loved guy amongst the fans. So yeah, buzzing to have to have him back. Uh, hopefully we can get that that vaunted back row of Faletau, uh, Lowe and, and, and Underhill with Mercer not even making it perhaps at some point would be uh, incredible. Another sort of great bit of news to come this week was uh, Big Joe, Joe Thokkanasiga, nominated uh, for Breakthrough Player of the Year award, ultimately won by uh, France by half Roman Entomac. But reward for Joe for, for what is an, ult- uh, uh, an ultimately massively um, positive uh, first season for for Vavar. For, for is it Roman Entomac? Yeah. Damien Entomac. Romance. Oh, I never go. I always get a few mixed up. Yeah. Mix up. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Sure. Sorry. Great, great for him to be to be nominated. Um, Sam Underhill potentially can feel um, slightly aggrieved that he um, didn't get a nomination, or indeed a nomination for um, for World Player of the Year, given some of the um, nominees that there were uh, that for that. Talfa Talfa Tay of the USA. Yeah. Yeah. Very very strange, and obviously trying to spread. Um, spread it out to sort of the, uh, the uh, different part of the world. But yeah, very strange. Well, um, spread it out to a different part of the world. Give it to that Hori, Shuka Hori guy, the Japan hooker or, or, or Matsuyamu or yeah. one of the Japanese guys who was incredible in, in, in that World Cup. I thought that was a bizarre sort of decision. I don't really, he's a hooker, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. So. Yeah, probably ultimately sort of won by the by the right guy in, in, in Steph de Toy, but um, Yeah, I think yeah. He, 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 his performance in that in that Rugby World Cup was in the Rugby World Cup final sort of cemented that uh position. Uh, it is Roman Entomac. It is Roman <laughs> Just a quick, just a quick look. Yeah. Just quick, yeah. Dad's a mill, uh, son, Roman. Roman? Roman? Yeah, Roman. Roman, right. So, yeah, congratulations to Joe. Unlucky to miss out. But, yeah, reward for, 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 for uh, a really strong season and plenty, plenty more to come from, from the big man. Right. Finally. Uh, Any more news to speak about? Or don't think we, so. Uh, I think we're... Uh, Happy to move on to, to Bottomby Top. Yes. <laughs> Saints v Bath at the wreck on Saturday. Saints look like they're one of the um, early season favourites to, to, to really do something in the Premiership this season. Whilst last week perhaps looked like a, a really winnable game, this, uh, on the other hand, looks like it's going to be quite tough. Yeah, continuing sort of their late surge uh, towards the end of last season and obviously they uh, usurped that fourth position uh, from Harlequins late on and, and got into um, got into the playoffs there and got into, got into the final ultimately. Um, did they? Didn't they? Yeah. I think they did, yeah. So, uh, and you know, continuing that form with a few players. Um, no, they didn't. I think they did, didn't they? No, it was Exeter Sarries. 
it was exercise. Right. Gave a good account of themselves. <laughs> Gave a good account of themselves in that. Um, also, that's not getting edited out because I don't know how. So. <laughs> that's um, it. There we go. Well, that's why it's the Bath Rugby plug. Um, yeah, we are, 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 we don't watch rugby when, when Bath are knocked out, uh, which means we don't really enjoy the Champions Cup match. But yeah, Saints. Saints. Yeah, continuing that momentum, as I said. <laughs> uh, strong win uh, at the weekend on Friday night against uh, against Harlequins. Won, won that comfortably and scored 40 mm. points, and which is pretty impressive. We caught the back end of um, of that game. On paper, uh, you know, you look down down their team sheet and you think pretty solid, uh, pretty solid front eight. Courtney Laws um, will certainly add some dynamism and, and, and Lewis Ludlam some dynamism mm. to that pack um, when they come back. And then in the back line, just uh, some very talented oh. young lads. So George Furbank, Rory Hutchinson, um, James Grace, and that that um, scrum half who um, Alex, Mitchell. Alex Mitchell, yeah, who, who I know you you really rate. So young young players, players who Chris Boyd has really given the license to to play. Remember last season, um, sort of you know often with with Premiership sides, money plays. Um, and with Northampton Saints, that wasn't the case last season. Chris Boyd mm. really ripped up um, the, the status quo um, at Saints and started playing uh, those young, talented guys, and it's it's really paid off. And uh, yeah, I'll, I think I'll be uh, doing a bit of a rain dance on uh, on Saturday morning <laughs> if we're gonna if we're gonna have a chance. To be honest, mm. yeah, exciting young backs, and I think former Bath man Sam Bestie playing a massive role in, in the coaching at, at Franklin's Gardens, apparently. Um, and yeah, I really like the, the, those young backs. George Furbank, a guy that with a, with a p- potential opening at, at fullback for England, a guy that with this new World Cup cycle, a player that could push that, a really exciting talent. So watch out for him. And as you say, James Grayson uh, at 10, um, really starting to mature into that role. Uh, and yeah, Reinhardt to come back as well for them. So plenty to come in. But th- th- this this sort of backline looks looks really strong and one that we're going to have to sort of marshal well. Yeah, it does. Very, very young guys, but mixed in with a couple of a couple of more experienced guys. So Andy Simons um, and Tekele Nairavolo, who uh, um, will, that'll be some match-up with him, uh, him against uh, Rocco Daguni. Um, and then Michael Van Vieren. We've actually um, found someone that is that has more of a contrast going forward. He's good going forward. Well, he's okay going forward, but he's so bad going back. He's got more of a contrast in those two areas than, than Rocco de Guni. I never thought I'd see a player uh, like that. An absolute P&O cruiser. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kelly Nanavoro. The turning circle on him is just huge. So, um, yeah, he'll probably get a hat-trick now. But, uh yeah, do not really rate him that highly. Um, yeah, Michael Van Buren. Oh yeah, come on the bench. Uh, obviously, uh, Bath last season, mm. um, uh, blighted by injury for for the most part of his career, but um, always seemed always seemed like a good bloke. So glad to see him. Uh, glad to see him getting uh, getting a bit of game time. I don't know. I see this being a being a very tough game. I think even the blindest optimism, correction, even you um, <laughs> uh, would would struggle to see uh, how we how we win that one. Incorrect. How do we win it then? Pack, um, hopefully get some rain and bully them up front. It's how we win it. That is how we win it. Whether that's realistic to say, oh god, um, whether that's realistic to say, that is how we win this game. We, that is where we've got the, the the sort of edge in this thing. And I, I think we didn't really mention it, but the scrum, especially when Beno Urbano came on against Wasps was much improved and, and won a couple of penalties there and, and and ultimately that's where Northampton are weak and that's where we are we are strong so try and keep it out of the backs it may not be the most exciting game if we are to have success but I think yeah try and keep it in the backs maybe pick Burns for, for a little bit of magic but 
um, bully them up front is, is how we're going to win it. And that is ultimately how we're going to try and win most of these games this season with, 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 with Hooper. And that seems to be our area of, of particular strength. Yeah, and it does seem... You know, it's even more disappointing that, that Henry Thomas looks like he, mm. he won't be involved. Nathan Cat as well. Um, obviously, those guys would be the starting uh, the starting props. So to um, to train all through preseason to build your game around um, around that sort of uh, style of play that that you that you, that you described mm. um, makes that even more of a um, more of a, a, yeah, of sign- a significant loss. I think Benno and, and Stewart are more than capable. I don't think Boise had his strongest game against Wasp, but we've seen yeah, four from him. four penalties in mm. in forty five minutes, and he. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he seems up for the fight. Um, uh, literally, a bit of a scrap with uh, with Tommy Taylor uh, at one point in in the Wasps game. But um, yeah, fairly ill disciplined, and obviously needs to tread that line um, that that line pr- pretty carefully. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I just think that um, having Thomas any side mm, would would yeah, would, would and, like Henry Thomas in their in their setup as as would they want Nathan Cat. Yeah, and 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 we didn't have the, these sort of other guys last season, and therefore. Thomas and Cat were, were sort of hugely influential in in our success, as, as we spoke about a lot. But yeah, the, the, time for the, these other guys to step up. Yeah, and the only change I'd, I'd probably like to see to um, to the team is well, I, I don't really think that that Mike Williams, um, for all the promise that he's shown so far, I don't think he should uh, be playing seven. Mm. Um, obviously, with Low and, and Underhill uh, out, it's it's kind of slim pickings in that particular area, but and Miles Reed as well. So it's it, you know I think they've been forced into it. Uh, but I think against the oh, team yeah, that's going to be against the team that's going to be looking to play uh, fast rugby, that's going to be looking to be mm. sort of nippy around the fringes. I think he might he might struggle in that particular position. So uh, Josh Bayliss again starts starts there for me. And if they do want to bring Tom Ellis on, then I think um, he's got to switch onto onto the blind. He's got to switch with Mark Williams to go onto the blind side. Yeah, I think slowing their ball down will be will be absolutely key. And as you say, someone on the pitch that can sort of scavenge. Uh, in in a way that Bayliss can, in a way that Underhill and, and, and Lowe can, I think that would be key and to, to try and slow that ball down and and and, and win turnovers as well. Um, so yeah, from my point of view, it's a game that we're gonna struggle in, but again, we we can win if if stuff starts to go our way. And 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 we managed to beat Exeter, who were in the final last season. Saints weren't at home in in, in, in already this season. So we've spoken about how strong our, our home form can be. Um, hopefully the rec, the supporters at the rec, get behind the the, the boys in blue, black, and white, and, and and we turn it into a bit of an arm wrestle and an arm wrestle, which I do think we can win. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the table, and they're prolific. Her try scores already for thirteen tries in the three matches. They've played four more than any other team, and they've played Saracens, uh, Worcester, and Quinn. So, um, not easy games uh, by any means. Um, and their their try scoring ability is 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 pretty. How many pretty tries scary. have we scored? Um, I'll just find that out. That's good listening. Yeah, <laughs> three tries. We've uh, scored three tries. Yeah, and they've scored thirteen. Correct. The lowest, the lowest, the joint lowest, uh, along with uh, our good friends in eleventh, Leicester Tigers. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> back in the day, would have flipped that, uh, flipped that table uh, around. I think strange times. Mm, so I'm predicting a, a, a Bath win on the basis of those stats. Fantastic punditry as ever. You're predicting a Saints win, I think, Tom. 
yeah, I think it'll be, uh, unfortunately, uh, pretty comfortable. I think if it rains, um, it'll be somewhere in the region of 10 points. And I think if it's perfect conditions <laughs> on the other side, it could be it could be pretty nasty. It could be, it could be 25 points plus. That's probably uh, a decent place to sort of end this podcast, Tom, uh, on quiet. Well, for, for good? Yeah, <laughs> please, no, I need this cathartic release. And hopefully you've enjoyed listening to it. Thank you for listening. As I say, we'll be back next week, same time, same place. In the meantime, please get in touch with us, as I say, on Twitter. Um, Tell your friends as well because hopefully you're enjoying this podcast and if you know someone that you think will, then please let them know. The Premiership's going to be back in full flow now with no Rugby World Cup. So, um, yeah, please please just uh, continue to support us and continue to support the boys in blue, black and white. And leave us a review. Mm. I was going through some uh, some iTunes reviews and it warmed my heart. Okay. Um, some some very nice um, reviews on there and we might uh, mm. um, we might read a, a right. couple couple of those reviews out. Yeah, um, we'll read them out uh, next week. Next week. Remind uh, remind me to do that. Or cool. let, let's try and remind each other to do that next week. If you leave a review this week, uh, then we will read it out on, on the podcast. We can't promise a bath win, but we can promise that. And to finally leave it um, on a bit of a positive note. Uh, at least, as Rob Horsewell-Turner, friend of the podcast, says, Big Mac and Tries is back in the country and hopefully not far away from a return to the blue, black and white. Stick behind the boys uh, through thick and thin because, fingers crossed, it will get better. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Tom. Cheers. Can't get any worse. <laughs>